0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Uh, Life Group Leaders, we had a wonderful special guest preacher this last week and just a wonderful service overall. And my hope and expectation and goal here is to help you guys think through uh, your life groups this week as we gather together, as we fellowship and talk through uh, Christmas with Caesar by our guest preacher, Dr. Chris McKinney. But before I do that, you know that uh, our... Preachers may change, the the uh, topics may change, even the, the discipline that we talk about, like our biblical archaeology, that will change from week to week, but something that never does is our mission, that here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, we were so pleased to welcome our guest preacher, Dr. Chris McKinney, who is a, if you, you know, maybe if you weren't there or if you were there and you just didn't catch it, Dr. Chris McKinney is a biblical archaeologist and a scholar. And it was just been a real enjoyable weekend to spend uh, some time with, with Chris. And I was able to spend a bit of time with him on Saturday and, and some on Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon after church, and it was just uh, very intriguing just talking to him about uh, his life and the ministry that God has placed on his heart in biblical archaeology and his desire uh, to uh, to help bridge, even in, in the company that he works for, Gesher Media, to bridge. That's what that word means in Hebrew, is to bridge, to Help uh, a lot of us like me who don't know a lot about biblical archaeology, but still understand that it is a really important discipline. Uh, but how do we uh, how do we understand that? How should we understand that, and its implications for us today? And uh, I, I'm just grateful for his desire to bridge that gap between academia and uh, the lay people. Uh, of our of our churches so i was grateful to have him here to invite him into the pulpit as he talked about that distinction between caesar and jesus and how in the ancient times it was very, very clear that that imperial cult worship how they worship caesar as god or as a god in their pantheon of gods and uh how we see the gospel writer luke uh, com- comparing and paralleling uh, this idea that Caesar says he's God, people say Caesar's God, but but here is God in the flesh. His name is Jesus, and there's so many ways that you see uh, Christ and Caesar paralleling, but Luke building the case and the storyline of Jesus being superior to Caesar. And uh, if you're listening to this life group leaders, and I hope you are, that's part of the your homework each week that you listen to this life group leader podcast. I want to encourage you, as you're going to embark on a little more of a challenging uh, life group session, I believe, in my estimation, because it's such a uh, unfamiliar uh, topic and discipline amongst most of our people at our church, that you're going to need as much help and resources as you can get. And so I want to encourage you to go listen to the Compass Equip podcast, because I'm there interviewing Dr. Chris McKinney on uh, the sermon and on other really wonderful uh topics and uh, questions I had for him that I think will be helpful for you as you are preparing to lead your life group this week, and just as you're preparing uh, to think about biblical archaeology in your own personal study and devotional time. And so that being said, I'll jump in here and help you guys think a little bit about how we can uh, help our life groups uh, study this week in a way that would be uh, bountiful for their own spiritual walk. Uh, the title of this uh, message was Christmas with Caesar, and the text that we looked at was Luke 2, 1, and it says, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And I kind of gave you guys a little bit of that sermon focus of, uh, of Chris showing how history and archaeology and geography shows proof of this uh, fact that they worship Caesar and uh, how... Luke is telling us that we worship Christ alone, and uh, he was even building that case literarily in Luke-Acts, which is an important aspect. If you didn't know that Luke and Acts are, are one volume that we've split into two in our current canon, but they're they're meant to go together, uh, and if you don't put them together, you do miss that storyline of it starting right here in Luke two one, where it says, Caesar Augustus said there needs to be a census and a registration throughout the whole world. And so Caesar's message gets taken to the ends of the world. And then in a book of Acts, as you read, as you heard when Dr. Chris McKinney was teaching, uh, at the end you have Paul going from Israel, from Jerusalem, all the way to the Roman capital. And then the message of the gospel gets proclaimed there. And so you see even the story arc of the beginning of Luke, the message Caesar's message went out to all the ends of the earth and then you see at the end of Acts the gospel message the message of Jesus goes to the ends of the earth and it goes right back to the capital and so you see even in that uh piece of liter- literature in that literary movement there you see uh Jesus uh be seeing that he proves that he is the one with the true gospel and he is the, the true God. And Luke has approved that by showing how tr- Jesus trumps Caesar. I think that's just a wonderful, uh, wonderful picture that Chris painted well for us. And so that's really the focus of this. So if you can focus on that in your life groups, you're going to do a good job and you're going to get people thinking um, uh, rightly about the application questions. But really, as you get into your application questions, you got, we, we, we went in there, and Pastor Evan and I, and we wrote some questions, uh, as well as Dr. Chris McKinney had a number of questions in there, too. And we were just trying to massage this in a way that would help you guys get the most you could out of uh, a dense topic and in a, a, an area of discipline, biblical archaeology, uh, is uh, that, that can be pretty difficult to wrap your mind around. And so... I think one of the best things you can think about if you're a life group leader is ask this question. How does background, history, and geography impact your understanding of Scripture? And if you say that it doesn't, you'd be sorely mistaken in how scholars and pastors and lay people all over the world study Scripture. History, background, and geography do teach us a lot of things about Scripture, that maybe we would be able to come up with a meaning sometimes without history and background, but we miss the flavor and we miss the shading of some of the Scriptures. Uh, Let me give you a couple examples that you remember in the Sermon on the Mount where you have Jesus saying uh, the quote that if someone asks you to go with them one mile, go with them two, right? I mean, okay, that sounds simple enough it w- when you when you read the text okay if somebody asks me to do something i should do more than they ask we even hear it in this world right uh, go the extra mile and you see this in Matthew 5 in, in verses 41 in verse 41 if anyone forces you to go one mile go with him too well how might history and background and geography impact the meaning of this in a way that doesn't change the meaning, but actually helps us understand the full meaning of this. Well, let's think. The background. Where are, wh- where are we at here in the Sermon on the Mount? Well, we're in Galilee in the first century. And so the background tells us, okay, geography and background, they're in the first century, they're at the, at the Sea of Galilee, and they're under Roman rule. And so background history and geography tell me that uh, this could play a part in this. And as a matter of fact, geographically speaking, since they were in the Roman Empire, it was common, if you just read the history and the commentaries of this, uh, it was customary for a Roman soldier to ask someone to carry his equipment. And uh, if he asked you, really forced you, to carry his equipment one mile, Jesus is saying, hey, when those Roman soldiers, or anyone else for that matter, but history tells us this was in particular the Roman soldiers, when they ask you to go one mile, go with them another. I mean, so even you put yourself in their sandals and you're thinking, okay, imperial cult worship, I'm going to stick it to Caesar by saying I ain't going to help your people. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. If they ask you to go one mile, go with them another. I mean, that's just a simple example there that shows you background history and geography do impact our understanding of Scripture. And it helps us understand, man, there was way more to that text than just saying, well, hey, listen, go the extra mile for people. I mean, really, we're saying politically, like militarily, right? We're seeing this this pressure that we have from the government of forcing us to do these things. And so, you know, I start, we started getting a little uncomfortable there, and we start talking about government overreach. and And all we're saying is, hey, Scripture's telling us, that when uh, someone forces us to do something, the the gospel thing to do is to go the extra mile, show them what the gospel looks like in real time, and uh, this starts getting into our actual lives and under our skin a little bit as it's teaching us, hey, perhaps there's more to some of this than I originally thought. Now, Again, you don't miss the basic meaning of this if you didn't understand that. But I think you do miss out on uh, a fuller expression of that if you don't. And I think Dr. Chris McKinney did a good job explaining that. Let me give you another example. In Revelation, beginning of Revelation, in the church to Laodicea, you, you remember um, how when the J- Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, um, because you're not hot or cold, I want to... Sp- Spew you out of my mouth, okay? Why does he say this? That they're lukewarm, hot, cold. Laodicea, what's the what? What is the whole meaning behind this? Well, geographically speaking, Laodicea found itself in a really important area where they would have uh, cold water that would come down from the mountains, and they had hot springs that would bring in hot and cold water. And I think I maybe some of you have heard me say this before, if if you've as, as I've brought this up in some sermons in the past. But Laodicea, being in that wonderful spot, they had hot water that was good for medicinal purposes, that was good for obviously washing and cleaning. It was good for a number of things. Uh, And cold water, obviously good for drinking. It was really important to have access to cold water. And they had built these systems uh, to carry the water from either the mountains or the hot springs into the city. And uh, the problem would happen uh, if the cold water, as it was running, and it gets into the city, but it heats up and it gets lukewarm, well, what good was that cold water? Or the hot water, as it runs, and it gets to the place it needs to go, but it's not no longer hot. What is it good for? Well, it's good for nothing. So the hot water was good for something, and the cold water was good for something. But lukewarm water was good for nothing, and it was thrown out. You see understanding even the geographical location of Laodicea, and you start thinking, oh, okay well, how do you think they figured this out? Well, biblical archaeology helped us figure those kind of things out. And so, all that being said, this can be at least a good template as you're thinking uh, about your, your life group application questions. You can ask the question and to yourself and maybe even to those in your group. How does background, history, and geography impact your understanding of Scripture? Because it must have some impact on Scripture it must. It, it, it's part of the scholarship and study, and even when you study your Bible, they tr- the, the, your, the commentators do their best to help us understand a little bit about background and history and geography, which is really what the uh, discipline of biblical archaeology helps us unwind. Uh, you'll see in your application questions uh, some some simple questions there. Why is the study of biblical archaeology important for your walk with Christ? I think if you answer it in the confines of what I just unraveled for you right there, you'll find yourself in a helpful place that may open up some really, really good discussion. And I hope you took really good notes because number five, question five there, is where uh, Chris McKinney had us thinking about, you know, how do we compare and contrast Caesar is the son of God and Jesus is the son of God and Caesar is the savior of the world and Jesus is the savior of the world and Caesar's good news versus Jesus's good news and Caesar is Lord versus Jesus is Lord and I think the only way you're going to be able to compare and contrast those well is if you took good notes and so be sure as a life group leader, I'm hoping you're taking notes, you'd ought to be, you'd need to be taking notes uh, and uh, you're going to have to perhaps lead people well through question number five because if they didn't take notes, they're going to have a really difficult time thinking through question number five. Uh, some helpful resources I think would be good for you guys, and, and even as you're, uh, you're giving good resources to uh, th- those in your life groups. I had a number of people ask me on Sunday morning, hey, what are some further resources that I could have to help me learn more about these things? I'll give you four here that'll be good for you and also be good for you to share with those uh, in your life group the first one that has been mentioned a number of times is the esv archaeological study bible which is a wonderful resource with up-to-date archaeological finds and uh, articles and and footnotes and study notes that help you bridge the gap of uh, what is significant how can we learn more about why the bible says some of the things it says and how does uh, how does the background and the history and the geography, uh, you know, give us information leading us to w- the importance of those statements in Scripture? Another, uh, a, another book would be The Story of God, Our King by Wolfbane Books. That's, I think that is the, that's the children's book uh, that Chris McKinney, uh, I believe, was, uh, was referencing, or at least the, uh, the, the collection of books that he was mentioning in his sermon. There's a couple of other resources that actually come from uh, Chris McKinney. One is uh, the Biblical World Podcast. I'm actually subscribed to that podcast myself. And uh, he co-hosts that with other archaeologists and historians talking about different... Uh, whether it's different uh, current events in archaeology or just other interesting finds in the biblical world, and, and among other things, and he also has a YouTube page that uh, is kind of laid dormant just a little bit. I mean, these are his words, not mine. Uh, but they're going to pick that up again this over this next year, and so there's plenty of uh, content on there for you to get started. I think more than enough. Uh, but I imagine after you get if you get through all that, there by the time you get through all of it, they'll be adding much more content to that. And it's called Behind the Bible, and it's a YouTube page. You can subscribe to that, too, and give you plenty of information, I think, to whet your appetite and to uh, get you about as deep as maybe you would like to go in the, d- the discipline of biblical archaeology. So I hope that was helpful for you guys as life group leaders um, to give you a starting point of how to orient yourself rightly to be able to lead an uh, uh, unconventional uh, life group, which does remind me, to Tell you that obviously life groups are back uh, and life groups are off uh, in the next few weeks, uh, particularly December 25th and January 1st, December the 18th. I want to encourage you that week if, if for life groups. You need to have a fellowship. Have, you know, uh, it's not scheduled to meet. Our group is meeting. We're having a Christmas party. We would love you guys to have Christmas parties for your groups that week. Uh, but you are off on December 25th and January uh, the 1st. And as life group leaders, we have a life group leader meeting January the 7th. It's mandatory. It's a commitment Sunday meeting. We're going to make sure we go through a lot of our documents and go through our commitments of what it means to be a life group leader and a life group apprentice leader. And so uh, if you're not going to be there, I need to know. Uh, You're going to have to let me and Linda know because she's going to have to schedule you and I for a one-on-one meeting. And so just be sure that that you're going to be at that meeting. And if you're not, uh, we need to know uh pretty quick. <clears throat> All right, some announcements that we are important that are pertinent for us. Christmas at Compass is well underway. We had almost 200 women at our Christmas coffee, which was just a wonderful success. And we had Dr. Chris McKinney here uh, just this last Sunday talking about the archaeological evidence of uh, Caesar and Christ, which is such a wonderful gift to our church this last Sunday. But coming up this next Sunday, we have our Christmas celebration after the 9 and 11. We're also starting our Christmas sermon series, which is just uh, so many wonderful things And we want you to make sure that you're reminding your group two things. Invite people with you. Do not come alone to the Christmas celebration that is at the 9 or the 11. And the celebration after that, bring someone with you. And then invite your group to be a part of the uh, Christmas celebration outreach or church-wide outreach at 9.30 on Saturday. On Saturday morning, we're going to get together on the 9th and we're going to go out into the community. We're going to invite people to church expecting and, and trusting that they will encounter Christ on Sunday morning. The following Sunday we have our Kids Christmas choir, which is always a wonderful Sunday. I actually was walking through the auditorium when the kids were, were rehearsing and they sounded terrific. I was I was impressed. There was no music in the background. It was just them a cappella with with hand motions and they sounded really good. So I am excited to uh, to listen to our kids Christmas choir coming up the following week. And uh Then we have that same week, our serve team celebration at the Civic Center at 6 o'clock that we would want to remind you if you haven't registered for our serve team celebration that you would do that, announce that to your group. And then finally, our Christmas Eve service on the 24th. We're going to have normal services at 9 and 11, full services. Uh, at 911 on Christmas Eve we're praying and trusting that since it is a unique w- Sunday that it falls on Christmas Eve this year we keep things normal I, I believe it'd be a really good way to reach our neighbors of so saying hey we're just normal church service why don't you just come on and join us on on a Sunday morning and so I trust that that'll be a, a helpful uh, adjustment that we didn't do later services we just did our normal 9 and 11 so I encourage you invite people with you to Christmas Eve it's a really wonderful moment where people this time of year, start thinking about their mortality, the meaning of life, family—really important things that God has given us and asked us to steward well. And many people just haven't. As a matter of fact, uh, I have received a multitude of counseling requests already, and it's December the fourth. And so, I mean, we know this is the time of year where people are hurting, they're in need, and they're they're needing help. And so, I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you as a pastor. Say there are people. Everyone out there is struggling, and if you would just invite them. I mean, somebody came in and, and yesterday and filled out a connect card and they said, I'm hurting. I'm here because I'm at the end of my rope and uh, I need help and I need to make a change. And I'm like, come on. It, like, and this is what we expect to happen in this time of year. So don't lose the opportunity to invite people with you to come hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on that note, you share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you see people in need and are hurting, you as a life group leader, you're a deacon at our church, you are. Uh, somebody that we have set apart for a particular service-oriented leadership in our church. You should be sharing the gospel with these people. But you know that one of the best ways to do that is to invite them to be a part of church. Uh, That Serve Team Celebration, just a reminder, is December the 18th uh, at 6 p.m. at the Civic Center. So make sure that you register for that. We want you to be there. And then finally, we have our Next Steps project, which is our next step as a church to raise some money so that we uh, can finish the remodel going on in the West Warehouse. And so we want you to be praying about how you could be involved with that. One, you need to be praying for the Lord to enlarge our church's capacity to reach, teach, and train through this campaign. Uh, this informal campaign that we have going on. Number two, pray for the necessary finances to complete that warehouse renovation. Pray for wisdom for myself and our build team as we spearhead this project. And pray for favor with the city and subcontractors to ensure we have a smooth and quick renovation process. And starting this next week, you can give online. uh, But until then, we can give with a check or cash using a, a giving envelope and then putting on the front of it Next Steps Project, or put that on the memo line in the check. Those are just ways you can give. Uh, I'm very confident that in short order that we're going to reach this goal. Number one, the goal is not that large, uh, and we have generosity uh, just oozing out of our church, and and I sincerely mean that. And uh, we're really looking forward uh, to, to reaching that goal, and I think we will, and I trust that we will. So be praying for your part in that as well, and make sure you understand this well enough to be able to share it with your life group, this coming up week, and so you can learn more about that at compasshillcountry.org slash next steps project. All right, life group leaders, apprentices, I'm grateful for you guys. I'm thankful for your leadership, and I just pray that you would be focusing and spending time on your own relationship with the Lord, that you would be able to, out of the overflow of your own devotion to the Lord, be able to invest in the lives of others. So until next time, I'll see you later.